Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh, serve fast, serve friendly, lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs Chow House. Episode 88 concludes Oscar's three-part conversation with former Kentucky Wildcat quarterback Derek Ramsey. We've heard from Derek about his playing days at Kentucky, but now it's time to get to know Derek a little bit. Starting off, Derek reflects on the impact he has made from his playing days at Kentucky and how influential that impact is. And one person that was influential in the life of Derek Ramsey was Governor Happy Chandler. Derek and Oscar both share their memories of Happy Chandler and the profound influence he had on their careers and life. Derek will also talk about his relationship with Dr. Otis Singletary, and then we'll hear about some of Derek's teammates at Kentucky and that time that Derek played for Coach Joby Hall briefly. Finally, Derek will discuss with Oscar the future of Kentucky football and the opportunities that present themselves for more wins. He's a great representative for the Big Blue Nation, and you're not going to find a better ambassador for Kentucky football than Derek Ramsey. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House, and his guest, Derek Ramsey. The fact that you came here sight unseen, Uh the fact that this has been your home Mm -hmm. ever since, I guess, the day you set foot Uh here. I knew Um, in 75 that this was where I wanted to be after I was done with football. Tell me a little bit about the community, the Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. that made you feel the way that this is your home from I think I, 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 I think the big thing was this you got to keep in mind that in the 70s to have a African American quarterback in the south was just not the invoke thing and you were the first African American quarterback ever at the University of Kentucky That's correct and Is that so, special to you Absolutely it is Absolutely it is and it's special simply because, you know, the pride and one of my mentors while I was here was Governor Chandler. And Gov and I would go to Mama Royal's Cafe, this little shack over there off of Loudoun. I shouldn't say a shack, but this, uh, this uh, trailer. And we would have all kinds of conversations about life. And I remember him, we would have conversations. I would ask him, I said, you know, Gov, I said, in our community, Jackie Robinson was not the best player. I mean, I I didn't know that. The guy that that he allowed to play for the first one ever. That's correct. Because in African-American community, the best from their perspective was Satch. (laughs) Satchel Page. Satchel Page. And Josh Gibson. 
and then Jackie and some others. But those were the first two that came to mind. And so I would ask him, I said, God, so why did you support Jackie? He said, Sonny boy, he said it was very simple. If I had brought Satchel Page in, it would have set your people back 25 years. He said Satchel Page was a womanizer. He drank. And while he was a great player, I said, well, Gov, so did Babe Ruth. Babe was a womanizer. <laughs> he drank. Without question. And his response Sometimes was this. there the game. But his response was this. Babe was white. So the acceptance was different. So with Jackie, here's a guy that's an all-American track guy. He's a great baseball player. He's a second lieutenant of the Army. That's what he needed at that time. And so then we talked about me and what the expectations were of me. Uh, what kind of representative I was going to be for the African-Americans of Kentucky. And I remember telling him because I'm, you know, 18 years old. And I remember telling him, I said, I'm not Martin Luther King. I didn't come here for that. I came here for two reasons, to get a degree and to play pro football. Plain and simple. He said, Sonny boy, every time you take the field for the University of Kentucky, you represent every African-American in this state. That's pretty powerful. It was way over my head is what the heck it was. But what it did was it made me have to mature. Because he also said that what some of your other teammates do, you can't do. Because of the position you play. You can't do that. You're not an offensive lineman. That's right. You're a glorified back, mm -hmm. a quarterback mm -hmm. that has the attention of everybody, of everybody and mm -hmm. every microphone. Mm -hmm. And what was so interesting as time passed on, and in particular since I've had these state government jobs where I travel around 100 counties, I've probably been 100 counties since I've been on this job and a lot when I was here before. And I would go into these communities and I would meet these African-American people that are in their 70s, that are in their 80s. And I would introduce myself and they would say, I know who you are. I know who you are. And I pulled for you back then. And said, they would tell me how proud I made them. So all the things that as a young person I couldn't see that Gov was pouring into me, I, many years later, see it and hear it all the time. Did you ever have the opportunity or the, to read his autobiography? I got a book on on his de on my desk right now. Uh, it's called Plain Heroes, Plain Planes and, and skunks. skunks. That is it. Uh -huh. I if, got that. If right you now. haven't read it, you got to read it. Okay. And when you read it, mm -hmm. all this 
conversation we just had will come back to you. Okay. When he was a kid, mm -hmm. his mother left him mm -hmm. when he was like six, seven years old. He had a brother a couple years younger. Mm -hmm. uh, they lived on a farm, mm -hmm. western Kentucky. Mm -hmm. She was a city girl. So one morning she gets up and takes her brother and is leaving. Mm -hmm. This is in his words. Right. Leaves and tells his father, you can keep Albert. He's the ugliest kid I've ever seen. Ooh. And they were strange until her deathbed 60, 70 years later. Mm -hmm. But to hear that to come mm -hmm. from your mother, the mm -hmm. profound effect. Right. And the years that I got to know Happy after mm -hmm. that. Right. And I didn't read this book until I think it was about five years before mm -hmm. he passed away. Okay. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why he is this. And he took it. He could have taken either path. Right. And he took the high road path. Mm -hmm. And he's influenced so many people, including mm -hmm. me. And obviously well, and I'm you. one of them. Yep. And uh, it was just it was just truly amazing. When mm -hmm. I came here in 76, mm -hmm. I went to first board meeting, the athletics board. Okay. And he's sitting there on the board. And I'm sitting at the end, and I see him turn to Cliff Hagen. Mm -hmm. And he points down to me, you know. Not to me, but mm -hmm. point toward me. And when it's all over, he comes, he says, Son, I hear you're starting a magazine on Kentucky football and basketball. And I said, Yes, sir. He said, Son, if you ever need any help, so you call me. Mm -hmm. And he pulled us, he said, I'm Governor Chandler. Mm -hmm. I'm 32 years old. Right. I'm like, Whoa. Wow. <laughs> the? Wow. Yeah. He'd become a mm -hmm. mentor to me. Mm -hmm. Anytime anything happened. Mm -hmm. I could call him anytime. Right. It, it broke my heart when, in his latter days, when he mm -hmm. was having difficult times right. and stuff. Right. And you know what I'm talking yep, about. Yep, yep, I do. Uh, because that wasn't the happy chinner that I knew. Not the one I know either. And uh, Be, Because he did not have to take me under his wing. Yeah, and that's not where his heart was. Right. You know, but uh, him singing My Old Kentucky Home. Yeah. And that, but yeah. that was just... Speaking of Governor Chandler, I got to ask you about one other person I know that was near and dear to you and mm -hmm. so influential over three decades this year. That's Dr. Otis Singletary. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Uh, Doc, uh, one, he was a football guy as president, and he did not apologize for it. And as a young person, I – probably have more access than anybody on campus to, to Doc because I would tell him, I say, you come to my office, <laughs> which was the practice field or at the stadium, I said, so I'm going to come by and see what you're doing. <laughs> so I would stop by there periodically just to talk to him and just to hear stories and hear perspectives. And he was invaluable to me. You know, just for what he's seen and and what he meant to to our university at that time, uh, Doc will forever be remembered. Forever be remembered. Let, let's talk a little bit about a few of your teammates. Just give me a line or yeah. two about how do you remember them, and uh, we'll start out with Jerry Bland. Jerry Bland. <laughs> Jerry, whom I'm still very very close to today, and we talk. Once a week, if not, if not more. Uh, Jerry is a guy that 
Uh, he was the ultimate team player. He sacrificed for that team way beyond what uh, was asked of many of us. And what I mean in short by that, here's a guy that played out of position for four years. Could you imagine how good he would have been had he been an inside linebacker for four years? The tackle records would have been so far out of reach because he was so good. He sacrificed. Jerry was an inside linebacker. And so consequently he leaves here playing defensive tackle and go play the National Football League eight, nine years at inside linebacker. Incredible teammate. Uh... Uh, just always had, ever still has me laughing. Uh, just a comedic guy, but just a, he was a great teammate. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. Rodney came in, heralded out of Ohio. Um, the only, I shouldn't say the only, one of the things was, was there was just so much pressure to be the next Sonny Collins. And uh, Rod was a different type running back. He was a power back. Rod was very powerful, very fast. And so he truly benefited by the offense under Perry Moss where we had him diving between the tackles. Uh, Extremely good, extremely good football player. Randy Brooks. Randy Brooks. The unfortunate part for Randy was that he was a small person. Uh, Randy had the heart of a lion, uh, worked like the Dickens. Randy was five foot eight, and he could dunk the basketball as well as any of our six three guys. Phenomenal athlete, strong, intelligent, uh, all around back, would block catch the football, run the ball well. Uh, He, too, was a great teammate. Chris Hill. Another talented guy. Another, you know, we, you know, during that time, Big O, uh, throughout the SEC, everybody had great running backs. And what we were at that time, including myself, uh, you were not going to go down because the guy behind Behind you – would never let you get back. There was a guy that was on my heels, a guy named Bill Tolston. That was pretty dang good. And this was prior to Mike coming in. Uh, and running backs, I mean, we just had a plethora of those guys. Joe Dupree. There's another <laughs> one. Uh, Joe, had Rod not gone down to Baylor, would have never saw the light of day. He would have never saw it. And another one that fit in that same mo, mm-hmm. Freddie Williams. Exactly. Well, Freddie goes down. Freddie gets a shot because of uh, Chris Hill got injured. Uh, weren't for that. But again, when Freddie got in, Chris couldn't get back <laughs> in. And you had Robert Hawkins. Yes. Who, who was waiting in the wings. Tom Dornbrook. Uh, love him. Well, I, I, I'm always close to my lineman. I mean, even, even still today, the guy that I'm the closest with is – you know, the guy, uh, Highway 69, that's Warren Bryant. Dan Fowler. Another one of my guys. Another one of those guys that just made my life easy. Tommy Dornbrook, Steve Slates, 
Eddie Smolder, uh, of course, Warren Bryant, uh, Mama Kearns. Dave Hopewell. Oh, Hope, the Hoper, the eternal optimist. He was, if you would, uh, the philosopher, if you would, of the lineman, <laughs> because he certainly didn't fit into the mindset of those other turkeys. But a great, great football player, uh, uncanny uh, athletic ability for a man his size during that time. He was fast. He was strong. Uh, probably could have played tight end as well. David Tufskin Stevens. Well, tough. That that that's always personal to me because uh, Art and I were responsible for getting him to come to Kentucky. It was a high school teammate of ours, and uh, as the name mentioned, tough skin that he was. But deal. Buddy Deal, uh, just a tough, kind of undersized guy, but uh, was always looking for a fight. Kelly Kirchbaum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Kells. I'm bringing back some memories you for sir, you. You certainly are. Kells uh, was a tough guy. There, there are very few guys that uh, – Came in from day one in particular in that lineman, linebacker guy that caught my eye. Kelly was one of them. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Tim Gooch was another one. Uh, what's the center from Middlesbrough? We lost him a couple of years ago. Uh, he was a head football coach up at Middlesbrough. What the heck's his name? Played for the Redskins. Uh, we've lost him. Uh Rick Hayden. Rick Hayden. Steady Rick. Rick was a consummate, uh, consummate center fielder. Uh, wasn't graced with great speed, but was a student of the game and always made sure nobody ever got behind him. Or as Nikolai used to always tease the defensive coaches, he'd say, well, it's very, very simple to coach back there. All you got to do is line up at the at the goal line and play forward. <laughs> <laughs> James Ramey. He was another guy, a great football player. Always played with a chip on his shoulder because he wasn't your quote-unquote big defensive lineman, but he had the speed and strength. Mike Martin. Mike Martin. Mike uh, was a joy to play with. Uh, another Floridian from down south, down Miami area. And uh, he was one of those guys that once Kovac went down, really got an opportunity to step it up. And uh, our senior year was a great year for, for Mike in the defense. Joe Bryan. Joe Bryan, my man. Joe, uh, you know, came in. He was a fourth or fifth-year kicker out of what, Tennessee Tech or somewhere down yeah, there? Yeah, I think he was actually from Western Kentucky. Okay. Went one well, year at Western, but he went down to Tech and played. Right. And came here. Right. And then came in after after uh, John Pierce had left. And uh, uh, Joe was consistent uh, when he got opportunities, although what I would tell the defense in particular, uh, you turn the ball over to me in the 20-yard line, I would tell the offense, we're not kicking field goals. Was going touchdowns, so Joe just stay ready, you know, kick the extra point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Dallas Owens, 
Uh, Dallas. Uh, Dallas and I had a special relationship. Dallas, uh, I don't think there's a defensive back in Kentucky's history that's made more big plays than Dallas uh, against Penn State to turn that game around, uh, against LSU to turn that thing around. Uh, he was just a big play guy. Richie Boyd. Richie Boyd. Uh, they, they, these are wonderful names you're digging up here. <laughs> these are, but what, what you're also demonstrating is how deep our team was. Because Richie Boyd couldn't get on the field because of Rick Hayden. And so after Rick left, then of course he, he's a starting guy. But isn't that the way you'd like to have a football Absolutely. program? You got that right. And that's what I said earlier, what Coach Stoops is doing. The thing that I'm most excited about where we are as a team at UK, we're not building teams anymore. We're building programs. So this has demonstrated that Fran had built a program. Uh, Larry Carter. Another guy had to wait his turn. You know, and he had to wait his turn in two ways. One as a defensive back, and then second as a punt returner to Mike Saganos. Felix Wilson. Fee. <laughs> I have a special affinity for Fee because I was part of that recruitment. He's also from New Jersey. And uh, when Fee came in, uh, he wanted to make a splash, and he was just loud, and and uh, but a very, very solid football player and, and a competitor and a heck of an athlete. Greg Norton. Norton. Uh, here's a guy that sacrificed for us. Here's a guy that came in as a lineman. And because of the offense that Coach Moss had in, we moved him from center to tight end. And uh, that made it possible for me to get around the corners. Dave Trosper. Trosp. One of the most athletic guys I played with while I was here. Uh, Trosper was an incredible athlete. And our senior year, he got an opportunity to rise to the top. Dave was a guy that I could throw the ball behind him, in front of him, uh, over top of him. He always came down with the catch. Dan Fowler. Danny Fowler, those are my guys. <laughs> my guys. Those were guys that made sure I stayed upright. So, of course, I love Danny. <laughs> and Tommy Kearns. Mama Kearns. Uh, in 77, he was one of the guys, young guys, that came in amongst uh, the Tommy Dawn Brooks and and the Hope Wells to to secure Mike Deaton. Mike, uh, phenomenal athlete. Uh, I owe that Tennessee game to Mike uh, because I couldn't get it done because of my shoulder, and uh, he came in and 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 uh, gave me some field position that I could work with. Yeah, so. Mike, uh, and I'm extremely Mike post-football. Post he, like most of those guys you mentioned, have went on to have awesome careers. And another thing oh, I, I would say that we as Kersey's guys, we had this reputation. But what I would argue and debate with anybody, during the four years I played for Frank Kersey, you fast forward this 40 years, I bet you I would put up post-football, post-UK, any group in Kentucky, they haven't been as successful as we have post-UK. 
Larry Petrobiang. Who's that? Larry Pekosi. Larry Big Daddy Pekosi. Big Daddy, uh, my right tackle. I mean, he, he uh, the unfortunate part for Big Daddy was he came after the great Warren Bryant. <laughs> so regardless of what he did, it would never fit up. But Larry was a very good football player, and I still see Larry today. Richard Jaffe. Rich Jaffe, my homeboy. Uh, the thing I remember from about Rich Jaffe, one, he came in as a freshman. He's one of those guys I talked about from day one that could play. But if you didn't see him play, you would hear him tell you how good he was going to play. So you knew Jaffe was always in the house. Mike Saganas. Siggy. I love Mike dearly. Uh, Mike uh, left us way too too soon, way too early. Mike Saganos is a guy that if I'm going to war, that's who I want to go with because I know we will prevail. Best game you ever played in a U.K. uniform? Ooh. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not the right one for that one. I just uh, my job oh was just to win. Uh, that's all I cared about winning. I didn't care about stats. I didn't care about yardage. I didn't care about touchdowns. I just cared about winning. And I I am just so fortunate that I had the team around me that believed in what I could get done. Uh, I was not the greatest passer, wasn't the greatest runner, but the guys believed that uh, I could get it done. That was the thing that, that's most rewarding to me. I, I can't pick out a win. Heck, they were all big wins. What one game did you play that you would have wished had never happened? Georgia, 1976, 31-7 they whipped us. That's why 77 was so critical to me. Most exciting game you ever played in? Most exciting? See, the way that Coach Moss built me and my high school coach, uh, I always had to stay here. Even Keel. I, I, I could never get too high or too low. Uh... So I just always kept my guys kind of amped up a little bit, but we never got this, you know, because I always had that. I had all these personalities, and what I did was, in particular on offense, I had individual relationships with all those guys because, yeah, we come together as a huddle, but if I'm looking at you and I'm saying something while I'm talking to the whole group, you know it's to you personally. I'm going to keep poking the bear here now. <laughs> Your biggest thrill as a Wildcat? To be the highest ranked team to finish in school history. Your biggest disappointment as a Wildcat? Georgia, 1976. Best opposing college player you played against? Mike Singletary. Best opponent you played against? 
CO, when when you're when you think you're gonna win every game, it's not a best opponent because if you go down the list of all these really really good schools, all of them, we beat them probably three out of four years. So there was no best. I mean, hell, they just lined up and we knocked them down. Toughest stadium you ever played in? LSU. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, you come out of that <laughs> locker room at that time. This is before animal cruelty. <laughs> when you came out of the Mike locker the room. Mike the Tiger. Right there by your, by your locker room. And the dang upperclassmen, <laughs> they don't tell you. So when you come out of there and they shock this thing and that – you just, I mean, it, it shakes you up. I, mean, I was standing beside Art Steele uh-huh. when y'all came out of the locker room before the game. You know, Fran would always hold you back to where you guys would run on the field on the, the road. same time, yeah. Same time as the other teams because right. they're cheering. They right. can't boo you at the same time. Right. And I was standing next to Art before the game when y'all were coming out. And he was standing maybe – 15 feet away from the cage. Uh-huh. And he, you know, wasn't obvious to what was going on. <laughs> Miss Cheerley comes along, takes a big old stick and wraps her. Yeah, yeah. And he actually told me after the game, uh, I said, all right, I said, you were pretty startled with that. He said, let me tell you something. That guy lined up across the line from me, he didn't get near me the first time. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He says, I had to change uniforms at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that was I'm like you I mean yeah. that that was I had Ben Oldham mm-hmm. on here recently on the podcast and Ben you know it's a long time SEC referee right and he was telling these same stories mm-hmm. I mean just about everybody I've interviewed mm-hmm. with football mm-hmm. it's almost been unanimous oh, LSU yeah, yeah, on a yeah. Saturday night yeah well uh, folks start drinking on Tuesday <laughs> well he talked about that yeah that's part of it yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, after we whipped them in 1977, these folks were rocking the bus. <laughs> and they were, you hear me? They were very hot. One of these big tour buses. They were rocking it from side to side with us sitting on it. And the police were just standing out there laughing. All around the stadium. I mean, mm-hmm. When you go there tailgating, mm-hmm. if you were wearing visiting gear, they'd pull you and say, you're going to eat with us. I mean, yeah. they were great folks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as far as fans. Yeah. I don't know if they treated Ole Miss that way or not, that, that, but they treated the, Kentucky that way. That, that's because they thought they were going to win. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't get to play on road venues more than twice in a four-year career. Right. Unless you have an injury or something. Right. What, what was one of your favorite placed – that you ended up playing in on the road? Florida. Uh, it was favorite because um, in my little community, you were either Florida or Florida State. Uh, the University of Florida was 55 miles from my hometown. And so when I signed to go to Kentucky and I would come home, uh, the chant would all be, yeah, Derek, you're going to be gator bait. <laughs> oh yeah okay okay well all we beat him was three out of four years so i guess i was uh when you came to kentucky mm-hmm. what was your biggest adjustment to your life coming from uh very simply uh in my hometown i did not participate in an integrated school system until 
my freshman year, okay, which was 1970. So I then go to Camden, New Jersey, where we have 4,500 students, where you had uh, 3,800 maybe African-Americans, 700 Puerto Ricans, and about three white kids. So to come from basically all African-American environment to a UK uh, was the toughest shift in understanding because of cultures. Funniest thing that ever happened to you? Well, there, there's a whole line of them, but let me, let me share with you the, <laughs> the uh, when I first came to UK, the first two guys I met was Mike Saganos and Jerry Blanton. And so we went down to, you remember Big Chef? Mm-hmm. That was right there on, uh, on Rose, right there on the corner. So we decided, the three of us decided to walk down to uh, the Big Chef and get something to eat. And the conversation from Mike Cigaros and that, that kind of endeared Mike's and I relationship. Mike was a great running back in high school. And Mike thought that he was the best running back on our team. Now keep in mind, <laughs> we hadn't been on the field not one day, but he is the best running back on the team. Uh, Mike also, in his mind, had the best body on the team. <laughs> and then there's Jerry. We walk in, and Jerry, you know, he comes out of Toledo, DeVilvis High School. And We're talking about Jerry Blanton now. Jerry Blanton. And so I don't know what he was accustomed to in Toledo, but certainly not in Camden or Hastings, where I'm from. You know, when you go in the restaurant, you buy your own food. <laughs> and so Jerry walks up and orders his food and says, you know, one of y'all can take care of that. <laughs> And so I just kind of went and ordered mine, and I paid for it. Walked away. <laughs> Mike ordered his, paid for it, and Jerry just <laughs> kind of standing there. Hey, man, you going to buy it or are you, you know, walking away? <laughs> what are you doing? But the funniest thing where I'm going with this is those first relationships with guys and understanding uh, another funny moment for me was when I got here and everybody, you know, you, you walk in and you, everybody's got your high school jacket on and you got all city and all state and all American, all district. The part I didn't realize was everybody else got one of them jackets too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I took that thing off and hung it in the closet. Best friend you made during your four years at Kentucky? Warren Bryant. Jerry Blanton, Ron Kaysen. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. One part of your career at Kentucky we haven't talked about. Yeah. That a lot of people want to talk about. Uh, the young guys today mm -hmm. would look up the history book and say, you mean Derek Ramsey played basketball at Kentucky? <laughs> yeah. For Joe B. Hall? Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, you asked Coach Hall about this. Well, how I did. How, I did. how ruined my career. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
No, I, you know, again, Big O, I, I thought that I would have a chance to be a professional athlete, be it football or be it basketball, and so I wanted to keep both options open. Uh, my freshman year here, uh, we had an incredible team. Uh, Kevin Grevy and Kevin and I are still friends to this day. Uh, I'm fortunate that there was no three-point shot back then. I mean, because he would be in some of the all-time greats, uh, which he still is. Uh, Bob Guy, yeah, Jimmy Dan Connors and these guys. So I got to play freshman ball. And my sophomore year, uh, because Kevin and Guy and Jimmy Dan and all those guys had graduated, I thought I was going to get to play. Well, Coach Hall had a different idea. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he'd bring me – third, fourth off the bench. And so when Coach Moss got here that uh, that December, uh, he asked me a profound question. He said, you want to be the captain of the football team or do you want to be the fourth guy coming off the bench? Well, heck, that was easy to answer. So that ended my basketball career. Looking forward, going forward, You've always been, ever since I've known you, and there have been a couple of times where they might be a couple of years past that we didn't contact, but we've pretty much been there in the press box or whatever. You've always, you've always stayed totally optimistic mm-hmm. about the future of the Kentucky football program. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we've had some rather lengthy discussions at different <laughs> yes. points. Yes, we have. To where we have sort so of agreed now, to disagree. Now, now you're starting to see what, now, I, what I've seen. Now, now I can say, all right, Derek, you, you've, got, you've got the floor to talk. Where do you see I, – I, I guess the biggest thing, mm-hmm. and we have to attribute this, money has always been mm-hmm. the issue. No question. And it's it's difficult. Well, but but let me let me say this now. Money has been the issue, but the thing that I don't want us to hide behind was the like of money. You saw what our facilities were like when I was here, and other folk had more money, and we whipped them all. Yeah, and, and, and I understand and of that the, plays a role. I but but the the area that you were here mm-hmm. with the new stadium. Mm-hmm. We weren't as far behind as we were in the eighties. I mean, in the in the nineties and mm-hmm. early, mm-hmm. and SEC TV come through mm-hmm. where they're pouring in fifty million a year. That's right. Now, given that, and given the fact that they have spent yin yens of money right. in the last five years that even Rich Brooks didn't have. Right. In fact, I think that's probably the reason why he gave it up when he did. He didn't see mm-hmm. the money coming in mm-hmm. like it was going to come in. Right. But where it's at now with mm-hmm. the facilities that football facility over right. there. Mm-hmm. And now having three consecutive seven-plus wins, mm-hmm. which going back through the 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. I know they're playing an extra game or two. Mm-hmm. But still, know where they're at today with Stoops, give me your take as mm-hmm. the quarterback of the greatest team of the past 65 years and a guy who really knows his football. You. Well. Where you see that today going mm-hmm. forward. Where – I see us as where we should have been for years. And folk would always argue, well, you know, you're biased. No, I'm not biased. What part of the reason that Fran Kersey's career ended after nine years rather than 15 or 18 years was he was trying to get to an unmade schedule. 
because during that time, our out-of-conference games was just as tough as our conference games. No, no cupcakes okay? back then. No cupcakes. And so where we are now with us playing or having the ability to play and to buy games, three of them, that's why I believe that we should have won seven to eight games every year. Every year. Because what you see is the conference rotates in and out. And we're in a window now that's closing and closing quickly right now. Rarely are you going to catch Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee down at the same time. It just doesn't happen. And so what's starting to happen now, now that they've gotten Kirby over there, Georgia's back. Well, they got Mullins down in Florida. It's two years before they're back in a big way. Uh, Tennessee, you can see some of the improvements here and there, but I would say if this guy doesn't, if he, and he's a saving descendant, in two years, they're back. Now, these are all teams that are on the East. And so that's that you've got to beat if you're Kentucky. That we've got to beat. And so we now, last year, I thought we should have won 10 games. This year, I thought we should have won 10 games. Nine is nothing to sneeze about, but again, you have these windows, and when that window is open, you got to take advantage of it. And so that's where I think we are. You know, we'll have nine wins this year. Uh, next year depends on the plug of, of 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 Benny, the plug of Josh, the the plug of Daniels. Uh, those are going to be the key parts. If we can plug those in. Because we got the bases, and as a quarterback, you got that offensive line coming back. So Terry is going to have to play a more active role. His leadership is going to have to step up tremendously and take control of this dang team. There's no ex-player who has more of a public forum than you have in this state right now. Do, do you sort of see yourself as a as a as a representative of the Kentucky program over the years that, you know, you want to be more than just a cheerleader? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, I'm very thankful to, to Coach Stoops. When I worked here, I was intimately involved with everything we did with football. And then, of course, once I left, now Coach Stoops has kind of invited me to come back which I'm very, very thankful of. Uh, because let's face it, oh, a couple of things. One, there's no bigger recruiter than a former player. We lived it. We loved it. And in my case, I had an awesome time the four years I was an undergraduate here. Uh, I'm forever indebted to the University of Kentucky. Uh, it has afforded me a life and a lifestyle that as a young boy I could not imagine. So I'm eternally grateful. Uh, I also feel that I have a debt to repay, which I'm doing now in the capacity that I have as Secretary of Education and Workforce Development uh, to ensure that we as Kentuckians are competitive because what has happened, uh, it's not just a comp competition in our country. 
the world itself, because of transportation, has been condensed. And so we're competing now globally. And so we have to understand that as a university, as a state, as we move forward. We have to. If not, we're going to get passed over again. And what I mean by passed over, if you go back 25 years and you look at the population of Indiana, the population of Ohio, the population of Tennessee, 25 years ago, we were all about the same. Well, we're 4.4 million. There are 6 million, 6.5 million. And so this great wave of people are moving from the far west and from the far northeast now. Last year, we had the best year ever in this state for new economic development, $9.2 billion. So the word's out. So with my job now, part of what I do is when these companies come here, I have to have a workforce that's ready for them. And so, again, coming from a town of 750 people, you know, i tell you a funny story. Uh, when George W. Bush was running for president, uh, I got a chance to ride with him from Frankfurt to Louisville, and we got a chance to talk for about 45 minutes. And the president is a avid sports fan, so we hit it off immediately. But... After he had become president, and thank goodness for, for these little cell phones with the pictures, I'm in Hastings, Florida. I'm talking to some of my friends, and some of my friends, you know, went on to have very nice careers, in particular my three closest friends. And so I'm telling these guys about the conversation I'm having with the president. <laughs> right? they, don't, they don't believe you. No, they don't believe me. No. They're like, yeah, right, yeah, right. I said, no, man, I'm serious. I rode with the president. We were talking. Well, I get my phone. Who is that? They didn't believe it. And so, you know, again, that's why I'm so thankful to the University of Kentucky. I'm thankful to the people of Kentucky that supported me in my deepest time of need. Because again, oh, I mean, you, you were there with me. In 74, 75, 76, you go into the Mississippis and the Floridas and the LSUs. Uh, my name wasn't always Ramsey. <laughs> you know, I, I generally ask my guests, how do you want to be remembered? But that sounds too much like your life is over. It's in the past. No, I'm not even started yet. I want to know what you're going to do in the future as it pertains to helping the Kentucky football program and athletics program continue to blossom as an ex-alum, as an ex-star. I'm going to do anything that our coaches need to assist our program. Uh, and I've told Coach Stoop this, that, that I stand ready as well as all of my teammates. Those guys I played with during that four years, there's none of these guys I can't reach. As a matter of fact, there's probably not a football player in UK's history that I can't reach out to and get a call back. And so I want them to use us so that because, again, you know, I mean, even though I've left the game, I'm still competitive as hell. And so when I talk to my friends, like, for example, Terry LeCount. Terry was a quarterback in Florida when I was a quarterback here. The earlier years was Don Gaffney. And so 
I would get these calls from Terry, you know, man, we're going to have a practice game against you guys again, you know, 27 years in a row. And so after we whipped them, I called Terry. I said, hey, Terry, <laughs> now I see what you feel. I, I see what you uh, felt like all those years when you were practicing against the team. I get it now. In the spirit of the season, happy holidays. Have a Merry Christmas. Looking forward to a great bowl and a new year. Happy, happy holidays to you and your family, and let's make 19 the best ever. You've just finished listening to episode 88 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House. If you missed part one and part two of Oscar's conversation with Derek Ramsey, those are episodes 86 and 87, and they can be found at oscarcombs.com. You can also listen to conversations via iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher on your mobile devices. Search for at Wildcat News and subscribe for free. And to track the cats with Oscar, follow him at Wildcat News. On behalf of Derek Ramsey and Oscar, I'm Bill Robinson thanking you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House. From Oscar and I, we are wishing you the very best Big Blue Nation for this holiday season. And as always, go Big Blue.